You can be seated. All right, so hey, listen, here's the deal, okay? So if you have your Bible, go with me to Mark chapter 12 and hold your place there. We're going to jump around a lot, but I'm excited. We're starting a new series tonight called We Believe, and it's going to be a great series. I'm really looking forward to it because this series called We Believe is going to be uh, all about the phrases that you see printed on the windows of our student building. So if you walk through our student building, I'm going to step out a little bit, okay? Uh, if you walk through our student building, you see different phrases on the windows at the entrance, and then on the other side of the hangout area, you see eight total phrases, eight different phrases. <coughs> Excuse me. And over the course of the next several weeks, we're going to start to unpack all of these phrases. It might even take us a whole year to go through eight phrases that are on the walls, but we want you to understand why we put those phrases on the wall. They're important to us, and we want them to be important to you, and you're going to learn them. And guess what? After we talk about all of them over the course of a school year, we're probably going to come back next school year and start right back at the beginning and talk about these eight phrases again over and over again because we believe that these core phrases that we put on the windows of our student building are so important and essential for us as people who follow Jesus Christ. Now, I have to tell you something. If you're a seventh grader or a middle school here, I'm not going to talk down at a seventh grade level of spiritual, spiritual, spiritual things, all right? Like I said that. I'm not going to talk down to you as like a seventh grader like, oh, you know what? I think seventh graders can only understand this about God. Or maybe eighth graders, maybe we should not talk to them like high schoolers. Are you kidding me? That's whack. And let me tell you why. Because some of you seventh and eighth graders are doing like school subjects that I didn't do till I was maybe like in 10th or 11th grade in high school. And so you're telling me that in seventh and eighth grade, you're doing all these hard classes that I didn't do when I was in high school. But when we talk about God and things about God, then we can't talk to you like you're mature and like you can actually understand some things, that's crazy. I think that you can understand. So I'm going to be, a lot of times, I'm going to be talking at like a mature, kind of like older high school level when we talk about these spiritual things. And for some of you middle schoolers, you're going to need to kind of like catch up a little bit. So you may, you may have a tough time for a few weeks, but as you hear something said about God from the Bible, you just like reach up out of the air and snatch that out of the air and hang on to it for the rest of the night. And then if you go home and your mom or dad say like, hey, what'd you guys talk about at church? You'd be like, I don't know, Marcus talked for like three hours, but I remember one thing Marcus said tonight. Okay, that's totally cool. That's okay, all right? I'm gonna say a lot of things tonight. So you middle schoolers, you high schoolers here that maybe sometimes you feel like you get a little distracted, you're a little tired, you had a long day at school, you're like, man, I've been up since like 6 a.m., bro, I'm tired. Same thing, five, my bad. All right, so... So listen, same thing for you guys. You may need to just grab one phrase out of the air tonight and be like, that's it. I, I got, that's mine tonight. And over the course of this semester, all of those phrases, all those things are going to start to add up. And you're going to have a great semester as you grow in God's word and grow in your faith. All right. So our series here, it's called We Believe. And I love this because We Believe really is talking about our core values what we believe inside, what we believe in our hearts and minds to be true, um, who we are and what is most important to us. That is a belief. I want to show you this picture right here. It's a cool little picture of a stick figure person. And this stick figure person has a heart. and They're kind of like bowing down. They got their eyes closed and stuff like that. You know, I, I think of, of belief as a lot like this picture. When you think about your beliefs, your beliefs are something that you hold in the core of who you are. And then from that core of you come thoughts and emotions and attitudes and words. All that comes from a belief place inside of you, deep inside of you that you hold on to. Now listen, every single person in here believes something. You, you do. 
Now, I don't know what you believe or what you don't believe, but you do believe something. And the things that you believe really do come out of you and affect your life, the way that you live, the way that you talk, the way that you treat people around you, on and on and on. Beliefs start inside, you hold on to them dear, and then they come out of you. Now, I do think that sometimes you believe things that you don't even realize you believe. You, never, like, you may hit a point sometime in your life where you're like, I didn't even know that I believed that, but I actually do believe that. Wow, okay, so that's the thing, is that you're always kind of discovering beliefs. And the whole goal of this series called We Believe is to put all of these beliefs that we hold at the core of who we are as Christians, as people who follow Jesus, these are core things of who we are. Like we couldn't just abandon any one of these core things because they're so essential to who we are as people that follow Jesus Christ. And that is what happens. So we believe. Now I want to introduce you to our first we believe statement. It's actually the first one right when you walk in the entrance out here. You check it out on your way out tonight. But you walk in and immediately to the right. The very, the very first phrase says, we believe that, and it says, we believe that Jesus is better. It's a real simple phrase. We believe that Jesus is better. It's a simple phrase. And what does that actually mean that Jesus is better or better than? Well, the first thing I want to say is this, is that that phrase, Jesus is better, it means that love, it means that we love, that you, it means loving God with all that you are. When we say that Jesus is better, it means loving Jesus more than any and everything in this world. It also means loving God more than any and everything in this world. Loving God more than anything in this world. So I want to take you to a passage that's really well known. You probably have read it before, but for some of you, it might be the first time you ever hear this passage, and that's okay. It'll be on the screen if you need it. It's in Mark chapter 12, verse 29 to 34. And Jesus has these people. They're like the religious, um, uh, the religious police of the day. They're called Pharisees. And this is what the Pharisees say to him. They say, uh, they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, what is, what is the most important command of God? What's the most important law of God? Can you imagine just being hanging out with your friends and be like, hey, bro, do you uh, believe in God? And be like, yeah, yeah, I go to church. I'm like, okay, well, what is the most important command that God would have to say to us? Like, what is most important? You'd be like, uh, honor your mama or she's going to smack you. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Or what would you say? So Jesus confronted by the religious leaders, the religious police of the day, and they say to him, what is the most important command that God wants us to do? And they're like, ha, ah, what's he going to say? We got him trapped. Like, anything he says is going to be wrong, okay? Because there isn't the most important. And, and Jesus says this, okay? Mark chapter 12, verse 29. Jesus says, the most important one is this. That's what he said. You ready? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He says, this is it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Did you get that? Love God with all your heart. He says, love God with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And Jesus says, the greatest command is this. Love God with all that you are. That's what we mean when we say that this phrase, Jesus is better. Um, that's what we mean when, when we say, what, what does this phrase mean? Jesus is better. It means that we, as followers of Jesus, are to follow Jesus' example. Can I just tell you this about Jesus' love for God? Jesus loved God perfectly. Uh, I don't know if you've ever tried to love God and have like just failed miserably and fallen flat on your face like, oh man, I know that, that I was not loving God in that moment. 
That's not Jesus. Jesus loved God perfectly in every way. And he showed us his love for his father. Okay? And then he says to us, the greatest command is love God. And Jesus is better. He's better. He says, look, this is what it looks like. Love God. The second thing he says is this. He says, um, I want to say is this, is that Jesus is better also means loving Jesus Christ with all that you are. So like, who should you love more? Like God, Jesus, love Jesus more, God, like, like, uh, like can you rank them? Like, like, how does this work? It's kind of confusing. Who do you love more, God or Jesus, God or Jesus, Jesus, equal? Like, what does this mean? Well, I, I love what this next passage says. You don't, if you're good at finding stuff in your Bible, it's in John 8. You don't have to turn there, but it's in John chapter 8. It'll be on the screen. Because Jesus is better means that we love Jesus more than anything and more than everything in our lives. Like we love Jesus more than life itself even. Okay, check this out. Jesus said to the same religious leaders and religious police of the day that he was living with around him. He said this to them. He said, oh, it's to the, the people. It's not the reason. He's talking to the people. He says to them, they're arguing. Okay, we don't have time to get into the entire like, argument and debate that's going on. But Jesus tells the people this. If God were your father, watch this. Don't miss this. This will be that one who's like, ooh, flies overhead, snatch it out of the air. Watch this. Jesus says, if God were your father, you would love me. So my question is this. If somebody came to you and said, hey, do you love God? Be like, yeah, of course. Like, who, who would say that they didn't love God? I don't know there's people that say they don't love God. But in general, a lot of people, good, good-natured people would say, oh, yeah, if there is a God, I would love him. I, I love God. What does loving God actually look like? Well, Jesus says, if you love God, if God were your father, you would love me, Jesus. Jesus says, love me. Like I love my father, you love me, Jesus. He says, if I were your father, you would love me, Jesus. For I have come here from God. He says, God sent me, you love me. The father has sent me. And this is what he says. I've not come on my own, God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Like he says, like, why don't you understand what I'm saying? I'm saying that if you love the father, I'm from the father, you love me just like you love the father. That's what he's saying. It's like, dude, this is plain English. Are you listening to me? And then Jesus says, because you are unable to hear what you have to say, he says, God's not your father. He says something really harsh to them to hear. It's actually really like intolerant. Jesus says, God's not your father. You don't even love me and I'm from the father. God's not your father. He says, you know who your father is? The devil. But oh, wow, that's like rough, Jesus. Like, be nice. And Jesus says, no. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father, the devil's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And watch this. Listen to this. When he lies, he speaks his native language. What language does, does Satan speak? English, Spanish, Tagalog, Japanese, Chinese, uh, uh, Americanese. Like what, does, what language does Jesus speak? Jesus is native. I'm sorry. What language does Satan speak? His Jesus's native language. His his native tongue is liar. It's Lyonese. I just made that up. Okay. He he's a liar. And Jesus says, when Satan lies, he is speaking his true native language. For he is a liar, and he's the father of lies. And guess what? As Satan is a liar, he says to you, 
you don't need to love God. He says, you don't need to love Jesus. You just love yourself, you'll be fine. You just love people around you. That's nice, right? Like, love yourself, love other people, but you don't need to love God and you don't need to love Jesus. Can I just say that according to Jesus, if we believe that and buy into that, we are believing this dude who is the ultimate liar. His language is lying and he's saying, just just love whatever you want to, anything but God. And Jesus says, if you love God, you love me because he sent me. That's what Jesus says. So what does it mean when we say that Jesus is better? It means that we love God, the Father, his Father, more than anything, with all of our hearts, with all that we are. And what does it mean that Jesus is better? It means that we love Jesus more than anything, even more than life itself, more than anything in this world. That that's what it looks like to love God and to love Jesus with all our heart, soul, mind. Say, Jesus is better. And that's the phrase we want you to learn. We want it to become a household phrase around here. Be like, hey, what do you think about Jesus? I think he's better, man. Yeah, okay, good. So it's a new phrase around here. Jesus is better. Be like, hey, bro, what's, what's better than, what's better than um, the Astros uh, winning the World Series? Uh, dude, Jesus, Jesus is better. Hey, bro, what's better than all those funny YouTube videos you were up watching till 3 a.m.? Bro, you don't even need to ask me. Jesus is better. Hey, bro, what's better than that girl that you're hanging out with all the time? You just can't, you can't, like, get away from her. You're texting her nonstop. You, you're just, like, every time she's around, your heart, like, starts beating a little faster. You're like, be still in my heart. I like that girl, okay? Don't, I don't want to do anything stupid. Bro, what's better than that? Jesus. Jesus is better. He's better. Hey, bro, what's better than Marcus's preaching on Wednesday night? Bro, Jesus. Jesus is better. He's so much better than Marcus's preaching. Hey, bro, you're all clapping for that. I know. Thank you. All right. Okay, so, so hey, whoa, what's better than Calvary's awesome, like, coffee bar, that drink bar that's, like, legit, like, better than Starbucks? Bro, Jesus is better than that. Come on. Like, what's wrong with you? Bro, what's friendlier than those people that were at the door with their shirts that said welcome? And like, bro, Jesus is better than even the welcome team around here. They're, the, the welcome team was there because Jesus is better. Yeah. Dude, th- listen, tonight, pro- yeah. pro- pro- I want to say this. Props, props to the media and the sound guys because the sound tonight is the best I've ever heard the sound in 10 years. And what's even better than that? Jesus. Jesus is better. They're doing what they're doing because Jesus is better. So listen, this phrase needs to become a household thing for you, where you legit believe that Jesus is better than, and you just fill in the blank. And listen, you are loving and chasing after some things that are good in your life, but you also may be loving and chasing after some things that are not good for you. And you need to learn and believe, like the core, like that picture of that stick figure, that Jesus is better because from there, things start to change. Jesus is better. It means that you love and that you worship him. Now, I'm going to throw this question out. You ready? All right, here we go. Um, What is Jesus better than? Well, I just named a bunch of really cool, silly things, but I want to give you some serious ones too, right? Number one, Jesus is better. I hope you're taking notes tonight. You're not. That's okay. You'll get into the habit. Number one, Jesus is better than fame and fortune. Listen, our world today is obsessed with fame. We have been for a long time, but with media today and access that you have to information today on your phones, 
we are obsessed with fame and fortune and power. Listen, Jesus is better. He's better than fame. He's better than what the latest, most popular person in Hollywood has just done. He's greater than the best movie that came out last year, which was Endgame. He, he's, he's better. <laughs> it's fact. It's factual, by the way. It, he's better. He, Jesus is better than all the famous people that you could ever meet. I don't know if you've ever met anybody famous before, and you're just, like, starstruck. Like, you get that, like, uh, what do they call it? Like, uh, when you just meet somebody famous, and you're just like, oh, my goodness. Like, I never thought I was going to meet Justin Bieber. It's like, oh, Yes. All my wildest dreams have come true. Bro, dream bigger, okay? But listen, listen. But we get this starstruck kind of thing like, wow, I hope to be famous one day. Bro, Jesus is better than your desire to be known. We're called to live to make him famous, make Jesus famous, because he's better. Like, let's live to make Jesus famous because he's better than the most famous person that exists today, right? The, The most famous person that exists today will be a memory in Unfortunately, a memory in 10, 15, 20, 30 years, they will be a memory. Most of you in here could not name a movie star from the 1950s or 60s. They are memories. They're memories. Jesus has been famous and has stood the test of time. Jesus is better than fame and fortune. Jesus actually even said this, his own words. He's like, what do you, what do you, you want to know what I think about fame and fortune? You want to know what I think about like just wealth and money? It's not bad. Money is okay. But when you love money, you, you may have a little problem. Jesus says this. What would it benefit if somebody were to gain the whole world and lose his soul? That's what Jesus says. That's Jesus' way of thinking. Jesus says, look, in my kingdom, in God's kingdom, this is the way God sees things. What would it matter for somebody to gain everything in this world and lose his or her soul? That's what he says. Jesus is better than fame. He's better than fortune. Number two, Jesus is better than our crisis. Listen, some of us here have experienced some crazy things in the last year. Maybe you see your parents struggling. Maybe you see your parents on the edge of divorce. Some of you just have have seen a lot of conflict in your life. There's very little peace in your life. Okay, You're in a state of crisis in your life, or crisis has become normal for you. There's not a lot of peace in in your life or around you. Jesus is better than your crisis. He's greater than crisis. He's greater than than what you are going through that's been difficult and challenging. Jesus says this. It'll be on the screen. Jesus says, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. Jesus says, I want you to have peace. Like, like, listen, when you go to sleep at night, I don't want you to to be going to bed and not be able to sleep because you're filled with anxiety and stress and worry and fear. Oh, fear. I hate it. Jesus says, I have come that you would have peace. In other words, he's saying, I'm greater than your anxiety. I'm greater than your fear. I'm greater than your worry. He says, I've come so that you may have peace. And look what he says, you will have suffering in this world. A lot of people follow Jesus and they say, I thought if I followed God, everything would be fine. Everything would be okay. I'm following God. Why am I going through this? Like, where is God? Jesus never promised that things were going to be great. What he did say was this, you're going to have suffering. And what he says is this, but take heart because I, Jesus, have overcome everything. So that means that when you suffer, when you go through crisis, when you see your family suffer or go through crisis, Jesus has not abandoned you. 
He's with you every single step of the way. Jesus is better than our crisis. You know, yesterday, September 10th, was um, World Suicide Prevention um, Month, right? Oh, day, right? World Suicide Prevention Day. It's a day where we recognize that all around our country, all around our world, that um, suicide is a really serious issue. I couldn't imagine a harder um, crisis that a family could go through than a loved one who commits suicide. It's heartbreaking, and it's something that's relevant and important to your generation. You should care about it. Some of you probably have even had friends that have come to you and said, I hate my life. I hate my life. Some of you may have felt like that too at times. Like, my life is hard, and I hate it. And Jesus says, I'm greater than what you're going through. And I love you. And you're not alone. Your friend that has come to you and said, I hate my life, needs to hear that. Needs to hear that Jesus is better and greater than the greatest crisis and turmoil and suffering that they might be going through. Does that make sense? Yeah? You with me? Okay, check this out. Uh, Today is September 11th, right? All right, so listen, 18 years ago today, 18 years ago this morning, most of you weren't even born. Most of you do not even, you, you, were, you were not alive when this happened, which is so weird for me to say, because seven years ago, 9-11 fell on a Wednesday night. I don't always talk about 9-11 on Wednesday nights, um, but seven, every seven years, uh, 9-11 falls on a Wednesday night. And so guess what? Seven years ago, none of you were here, except Josiah. And he just graduated from college. He's right here. He's one of our leaders this semester. But listen, seven years ago, none of you were here in this building. Most of you weren't even alive 18 years ago. And when 9-11 happened, it was, it was crazy. I was in high school. I was 15, turning 16 years old. And I remember the planes flying into the buildings and seeing that on TV. I was in the gym. And everybody's putting on their TVs. They want, it was... It was uh, uh, a day that went down in infamy. Some of you history buffs know where that's from. December 7th, 1941. Some of you AP history people, look it up if you don't know. It's important to know, all right? It was a new day in infamy. It was 9-11. And you are a generation that is post-9-11. You will, never know what it, what it, you will never know what it is like to live in this country before 9-11. And 9-11 changed this country forever, and you still live under policies that were put in place in this country post 9-11, and some of your teachers probably barely mentioned it today. The way you're growing up today is normal, but many people remember a world before 9-11. It's changed a lot, and the attacks were horrible. This morning I woke up, I turned on the news, I was watching TV this morning, early this morning, and I was already seeing them doing tributes in New York City at the memorial site. If you ever go to New York City, one of the things at the top of your list needs to be uh, going to the 9-11 Museum. I've been there before. I went there with Hannah a couple uh, last year, uh, almost two years ago now, and spent about four hours in that museum learning the stories of uh, the people that died that day. Tragic, tragic. And you can look at it from a historical standpoint and stuff like that, but I want to tell you this. Listen, here's what I remember about 9-11. I was 16 years old, 15 turning 16. I wasn't 16 yet. Here's what I remember about 9-11. I remember that after 9-11, people were looking for God. They were looking for answers. They were saying, why did this happen? God, where are you? God, do you have answers for us? 
and churches were full. Like people, people 2,000 miles away, 3,000 miles away from New York City were in church all over this country and asking questions and saying, God, where are you? Because when you're faced with crisis, you're looking for answers. And Jesus has answers. He has the answers. God has the answers. On that day, after that, I remember people were saying, well, God, where are you? And they were in church looking for those answers. See, Jesus is definitely better, better, greater than any crisis that we could go through. The next thing is this. I need to finish this. I'm almost done, right? Third thing is this, is that Jesus is definitely better than any temptation that we could face. Listen, you are growing up in crazy times. Listen, if you deal with um, pornography on your phones, a long time ago, if you really struggled with lust in your heart, um, to look at porn, you probably had to find a magazine from a friend or different things like that. And today, you have free access to it on your phone, and your parents just believe the best that you definitely aren't going to find that stuff on your phone. And if you look at the statistics today of your generation and how they're struggling with this thing called lust and how it's hijacking their minds and the way they think about the opposite sex. And then it's not just guys, it's guys that struggle with this and girls that struggle with this. How do you overcome something like this that is just so prevalent and even normal? Like maybe your friends are like, oh, it's just normal. Everybody just looks at whatever they want to look at on their phone. Nobody cares. Your parents aren't ever going to know because they're afraid to check your phone. Like nobody even cares. It's just normal. It's normal, right? Well, listen, here's the thing. To kick things like that, to get over things like that, you literally in your core have to believe that Jesus is better than your lust. That Jesus is better than your desire to give in to your flesh. That living and walking and loving him is better than and you just fill in the blank. You can fit any sin you struggle with. It doesn't have to be just the one I named. I just chose one. But Jesus is better than your temptation. He's better than the sin you struggle with. And in order to overcome that, you don't need to be stronger. Notice how I didn't tell you, uh, you need to get stronger and stop looking at that stuff on your phone. What's wrong with you, right? No. Listen. Learn to love Jesus greater and watch God give you the strength to kick all these other things off to the side because you found something that you can love greater than sin and your sin. He's better. Jesus is better than your temptation. Right? Um, Number four, we're going to be finished for tonight. Number four, uh, Jesus is greater than your past. He's better than your past. Listen, statistically, I'm going to hit a nerve here, okay? I'm going to talk to you. Statistically, the number of people who have been abused, who have been hurt by somebody that they trusted, uh, is high. It's too high. Any number is too high. But it's high. And if you weren't the person that was hurt or abused, I promise you that somebody close to you, statistically, has been hurt or abused. Maybe a friend in your school, maybe an acquaintance in your life, But statistically, it's too high. It's high. You're in this room. And because of what has been done to you, because of how you've been hurt, 
you feel a certain way about yourself. You feel like you are not worthy anymore. You feel like, how could anybody love me or care for me if they only knew my past? Maybe you've made a bunch of mistakes. Maybe that isn't you, but maybe you've made a bunch of mistakes in your life or you've seen your family make a ton of mistakes that they're not proud of. Like, how do we ever come back from this? How do we ever recover and get past this? Guess what? Jesus is better than your past. Favorite story, one of my favorite stories in, my, in the Bible. I, I say that a lot, so it's probably not true. I probably need to stop saying that. It's a story of this lady who's a prostitute. She's a, a woman of the street and of the night. That's what the Bible says, because it says it nicely. All right? She's a prostitute. And Jesus is hanging out with all these religious goody-goody people. People that think they have it all together and they don't have any sin in their lives. And she walks into the house and she sees Jesus sitting there. And she goes up to Jesus and she cries and her tears wet Jesus' feet. And her tears, uh, and she begins to wash Jesus' feet with her hair. That's how, that, that was her heart before God. It was, it was, Jesus, my past is really ugly. And I love you. And I believe, Jesus, that you're better than my past. And the Pharisee dudes, the religious dudes, looked at that and they're like, Jesus, like, what's wrong with you? Do you know who's touching you? And Jesus didn't say this exactly word for word, but Jesus, in Marcus's terminology, would probably say, what's wrong with you dudes? Why are you judging her? She believes that I, Jesus, am better than her past. And at the very end of the story, Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven, lady. Now go. Go, sin no more. You're free. You're free from this. You're forgiven. Jesus is better than our past. He's better than everything. And that phrase is on the window because we want it to be a household phrase for you. Just something that's just like, Jesus, he's just better. And I believe it in my core. And I'm going to start to live like I really believe that he is better. Like, what would it be like for a new person to walk in for the first time through those doors right there and come hang out with us on a Wednesday night and be like, well, you guys are weird. You literally believe that Jesus is better than everything. We're like, yeah, we, we do. Like, we just like recklessly believe that he is better than life itself even. And that's what we've given our hearts to. That's what we've given ourselves to, this belief that he is better. Now listen, if you can grab onto that core belief and start to live that out, your life will never, ever be the same again. It never will be the same again. Because he will always be better than everything around you. All right? Okay, so listen, I've got more, but i got to stop, all right? You guys have been great listeners. I appreciate it. You've been great listeners. We're going to jump into some of this other stuff next time, next week. I want to pray for us, and we're going to keep moving on tonight, all right? So here we go. Let's pray. God, I pray you take this message. Uh, do what you want to do with it, God. Um, I pray, God, that it, we, we go home tonight and uh, be able to consider things and even maybe people in our lives that we have made better than you, Jesus. And Jesus, we've experienced maybe some consequences in our lives because we've actually lived like other things are better than you. And we were never ever made or created to love anyone or anything more than you, Jesus. That's what we were created for, to love you most. We love you, God. And would you just take this? Jesus, I talked a long time tonight. 
Would you just help everybody here to just snatch something out of the air and take it home? Your word is true. It's fate. You're, you're faithful in speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen.